0: Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 14, as I finish the chapter. I also want to encourage everybody to start reading chapter 15 of the book of Acts, which I'm going to spend some time in. It might be the most important chapter in the book of Acts. Uh, I'll get into it, but I want, you to, I want you to pick your brain really want you to get into Acts chapter 15 and see the importance of what's taking place there. But for tonight we will be in chapter 14, as soon as I get there. Starting in verse 19. I'll go over a little bit of what I spoke about last week. As I want to spend more time in verses 24 to 28 today. But we'll start in verse 19, for our context. But the Jews came from Antioch, in Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples... Can you say many disciples? Many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fast, and they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then when they... Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. I'm sorry, something wrong here? Come on, don't do this to me. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God. Can you say commended to the grace of God? Commended to the grace of God. For the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. In the service of God is the name of the message. Do we have that up there? Okay, anyway, in the service of God before I go into this text this is not just about the apostles this is about you. And me, we're all Christians, we're all called to be ministers of Christ. I don't know if you know that. We're ambassadors of Christ. We bring Christ wherever we are, into every interpersonal relationship, whether at work, whether with family, enemies, foes, makes no difference. We are always doing the best we can. We're called to do this. Part of our duty as Christians, it's part of our worship to God, is to bring Christ to people. We spoke a little bit last week about contextualization, how you got to treat different personalities different. You have to, you got to know how to deal with different personalities. You got to get sharp with that and and to realize some people just need more time. But in any way, we want to be loving to all people so that, as Paul says, some might be saved. All right, so I wanted to talk about that. We're all ministers and we all want to be successful in life. Who here does, who here wants to be a great failure? Raise your hand. All right, I saw two hands. We'll talk to you about that later, okay? But we want to be successful in life. Everybody, no matter what we're doing, we want to be successful at it. You're a parent, you want to be successful at it. You're a boss, you want to be successful at it. You're a a pastor, you want to be successful. You're a parent, you want to be successful. You, whether it's in sports, whether it's hobbies, family, success is part of the human dimension. It's part of the human experience. To be successful. But that desire does not carry over easily into the kingdom of God. To be successful for God, it's not the same rules. God looks for one thing. He's not looking for your resume. He's not concerned about your education. He's not concerned about your lack of an education. He's not concerned how beautiful you are, how handsome you are, how great you can speak, how many verses of scripture you can quote. God is not concerned with any of that. He's concerned with one thing, how faithful are you? That is it. Amen. And we're going to see some real great faithfulness in action uh, of Paul and Barnabas coming to the end of their first missionary journey. So I really want you to see that. But there are all certain requirements that are needed to be successful in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness and I'll tell you this if you want to be successful as a Christian you want to be successful in other areas of life I do I own a business I want to be successful you know how I'm successful? faithfulness to God faithfulness with God it blows everything else out of the water be faithful to God and watch what he can do for you watch what he will do for you God is a shield to those who walk in integrity he loves it he loves to bless his children I want to go right into Acts 14, 19. Let's let's read the verse of Scripture. But the driving force behind this text is the faithfulness of Paul and Barnabas to the call of God. That's the driving point. And at the end, God gets all the glory. How's that sound? How would you like to come to the end of your life and people will say, you know something, he pointed me to Christ. She pointed me to Christ. She made me a better parent. He made me a better father. His dedication, her dedication to the Lord inspired me. I admire that to live for God. That's what we really, really, all of us should have that on our epithet, is that faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the Lord. Let's go to Acts 14.19. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. <clears throat> this event is a story within a story Paul and Barnabas have been on their first Of three missionary journeys uh, This is coming to the end now It's probably around ten months to a year I try to put the numbers Crunch the numbers It's, it's, it's close to a year They've been, They left the home church about a year ago They were commended by the grace of God To go out into the mission field and, and here they are, they, they basically went to Cyprus first and they sailed over to modern day Turkey, today Southern Asia, and they spent some time around there preaching the gospel, being persecuted everywhere they went. Everywhere they went, they got persecuted to the point that one time Paul was stoned to death and left there for dead. But everywhere they went, they got persecuted. Guess what else they did? Many disciples. Many disciples. And, and, Oh, if God could turn your hearts on to what it is to be used to turn a sinner from his evil ways and come to know the grace of God. That would be it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Are you bored with your job? Are you a bit bored with life? Is there something missing If you are in a disciple-making business, you'll never be bored. You'll always have a purpose that's greater than any other purpose you could ever have on this earth, earth. Is being used to bring people to Christ and then being used in the local church to strengthen that believer in his new faith. Amen. I pray that God puts that on your heart to want, to aspire, to be more and more like that. Because your life will be rich and your life will be full. So we're coming to the end of this Torah over here. It lasted about a year. Paul, after being praised in verses 17 to 18 and verse 19, right before this, he's being praised as God. The same crowd that was worshiping him as Hermes is now stoning him to death. Same crowd. A couple days later, we know that certain people came down, instigators, antagonists, divisive, turning the hearts of people against Paul. And, uh, and this is what could happen. This is how finicky, when it comes to spirituality, people can really be. Supposing that he was dead, he's breathless and he's beaten. This is not a half a stoning. I don't want anybody to miss this. Luke doesn't spend much time on this, but this wasn't like they had bad aim. They stoned him to death. He was breathless, and he was beaten. He was wounded. He was bleeding like any other stoning that ever took place in the scripture. But this man walked away alive by the grace of God. We don't want you to miss how severely beaten Paul was and left for dead they dragged him outside the city thinking that their troubles were finally but just as the religious leaders thought the same thing about Christ when they crucified him and they shoved him in that tomb and they shoved the stone and they got him as far away outside the city as they could and they felt comfortable guess what? he rose again Guess what Paul did? He got up and just kept on preaching. Because his time had not yet come. And I encourage everybody here, don't stop talking about the Lord until your time's come. Then God takes you home. Don't worry about what people can do for you. Do it to you. So here Paul also rises and wastes no time but just picks up back and back to where he started. He went to the next city and started preaching. I'll spend a little more time on this. But still, I wanted to get the picture. I get a picture of Paul getting up. Do you think he just got up and said, oh. No, he got up, he limped, they wrapped him, they bandaged him. He was bruised, badly bruised. And in verse 20 it says this, 20 to 21. But when the disciples gathered around him, something happened. When the disciples gathered around you, something happens. And something happened to him. And as we said before, there was tears, there was prayers, there was a lot going on. I spoke about this last week. The text doesn't capture the emotion, the sheer raw emotion. These disciples were just converted. They just got saved. They know nothing about the kingdom of God. All they know is that they're saved. All they know is that God is real. God has drew close to them. They know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, all their pagan gods are only that. Pagan gods. Not the one true living God. And they weren't afraid to go out to their beaten down pastor, theologian, missionary, apostle, laying on his back. They were not ashamed of Paul. Praise the Lord. And they gathered around him. He rose up and entered the city. The same city that just threw him out, stoned him to death. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to the next city about 20 miles away. And when I had preached the gospel to that city, because that's what he did. I like the way Luke phrases it. He didn't say he preached the gospel. He preached the gospel to the city. He told all the inhabitants... That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, crucified for the sins of the world. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He told the city to all who could hear him, all who would hear him, that they too can be saved. He preached the gospel to that city and he made many disciples. And they returned to Lystra. and Icon. Now he's backtracking. And he went to Antioch. He's making his way back to, to Antioch in Syria. This is a different Antioch over here. He's going back home. He's going back to the home church right now. Paul just goes on to the next city and does what he's called to do. He's called to preach. And he's called to make disciples understand something. We're all called to do it. If Paul can take a stoning if Paul can take a breathless moment in his life and he can get up and just go on and do it again, how much more can we just get up over people who have, who have uh, uh, disowned us? People who have rejected the message. People who have laughed at us. People who have scorned us. People who have blamed us. People who have pointed a finger at us. They've mocked us. Just go on. I love that part of the story. I love not giving the enemy any ground. Do not bow to fear. Do not bow the knee to fear. Don't let any man shut us up. Don't let any government shut us up about who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. Because guess what? When we don't shut up, In times of great persecution, guess what? God will save many disciples. That's when he does his best work. It's the upside-down kingdom. When everything's going well, nobody believes. When things get tough, everybody comes in. Understand something. When Paul says, through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. These disciples knew that. They just watched their preacher get stoned to death. And they just signed up for the same thing. (laughs) Paul knew how to preach. Paul knew something more than just preaching. He knew how to rest in the sovereign providence of God. Nothing's going to get away with God. Paul just moves on. He preaches. He makes more more disciples. Let me give some application. Just in this one text here. In ministry, there's no time to worry about the injuries that come as being a Christian. Anybody here been wounded for being a Christian? Has a family member ever ripped into you? Don't give me that Bible stuff. Don't give me that Jesus stuff. Don't give me that Protestant stuff. That's Brother know, he loves that one. You and your Protestant friends and your Protestant hymns. Just... Continue to be faithful to the call. Just continue to be faithful. Go on your merry way. Every new disciple... Every new disciple that Paul saw come into the kingdom, are you ready? Was healing to his broken body, his broken and downcast spirit. The salvation of others does wonders to heal the wounds that the world gives us. Let me tell you something. Have you ever been wounded and rejected because of your faith in Christ? Honestly. I hope you do. Let me say it again. Let me look at everyone in the room. I hope you do. It's nice to have skin in the game. When you have skin in the game, you draw closer to God and God draws closer to you. If you're playing it safe, you'll make it to heaven. But you're going alone, my friend. You're going alone. There's no one going to be in heaven saying, praise God for so-and-so. You'll make it. And you'll be looking. And you won't notice anybody there but yourself. I'm being a little sarcastic here. I'm making a point. Don't play it safe in the Christian faith. If you're you're playing it safe, you're going to miss out on the best of the kingdom of God right now. Success in ministry does not depend on how many punches you avoid. Success in life doesn't count on how much you can get away with not getting caught or doing something like that. Success in ministry does not depend on how many punches you avoid. It depends on getting back up for the sake of other people. That's what it's about. You get on and you go to the next town. That's what Paul did. Listen to verses 22 and 23. He's not a pioneering evangelist anymore. Now he's a pastor. He goes back to these same churches. He goes back to the same cities. He goes down to the same towns. He walked by the same people that persecuted him. He walked by the same people that stoned him. He walked by the same people that chased him down. And he did not care. He went back to these brand new churches. And he strengthened the souls of disciples. Oh, God only knows how I would like to see people involved in strengthening the souls of other Christians that's all I can say I pray for it every Thursday night with the gang, me and John Patty. we pray for it, to understand what it is to encourage others to remain strong in the faith and then tell them the truth saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God they just saw their preacher stoned to death I'm trying to get into the minds of these converts that the text ain't talking about they're only saying many disciples I want, these many disciples saw Paul dragged out and stoned right in front of them. And they still remained faithful to God. I would wonder what would happen if every pastor got beat up, every pastor in New York City, every pastor in Bay Ridge, every pastor in America truly got beat up and stoned, what the congregation would do knowing that they were going to be next. Think of the picture. Paul's wounded, he's bandaged, there's no aspirin, there's no Tylenol, there's no pain relief. His healing was Jesus and giving Jesus to other people. this wounded man, he probably got a big fat lip, a big black eye, he's probably got some kind of, you know, rudimentary cane, he's walking around saying, stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful and encourage Many tribulations, you too will be stoned to death. Praise God. That's his message. You know why? He's not depending whether they stay faithful. He knows if God saved them, God is in them now. Too many people preach as though, could you do God a favor? Could you do God a favor? I don't want to disturb you. Could you do God a favor? No. You preach as though men and women are born of the Holy Spirit. Because if you are born of the Holy Spirit, when you hear the words of encouragement and discipleship, there's only one thing your heart can do, and that's say, amen. That's it. This must have been some sight. The wounded preacher encouraging everybody else. But the picture is overwhelming. The disciples who have just been born again, all these disciples, these young believers, whose hearts are joyful and free now, will look at Paul with great admiration for his dedication to the Lord. That's what they're seeing and that's what the text if you don't look good enough, this is what the text is saying. How dedicated Paul was to the preaching of Jesus Christ that these young disciples, they saw that. What admiration. It says then after praying and fasting and this goes to highlight how serious the raising of elders are. The seriousness. After praying and fasting and laying their hands upon the elders, he commits them to God. He commits them to job God. He does this job. Then he hands them over to the care of the Lord through the under-shepherds. That's what Paul does. He didn't start a work and he didn't just run away. He went back because they did not have elders. He went back because he could not leave these disciples alone. He knew to leave a disciple alone without the first lines of defense, which is the eldership of the church, the local church, they would have no chance. He would have got stoned again and again and again to make sure that by the time he died, he had laid hands on men and raised up elders, the shepherd, the sheep, the sheep of God 14 to 26 then they passed through Pisidia it's going backwards now came to Pamphylia it's on the coast and when they had spoken the word in Perga another town, they went down to Atilia, that's the seaport and from there they sailed to Antioch back home Where they had first been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived they gathered the church together and they declared all that God had done with them. Now he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Could you imagine this welcoming home party after a year? Paul was not emailing them saying things are going good. He's not texting them. They have no idea. A year earlier, they took their two favorite pastors and two favorite teachers and commended them to the grace of God to go into a far and distant land and do what they were called to do, to bring the promise of Abraham to all the nations. And they remained with... No little time with the disciples. These closing verses are all about God. And I'll tie it in. I don't want you to miss it. The trajectory is now going backwards. The missionary journey started in chapter 13. They sailed to Cyprus. From Cyprus they sailed up to Asia Minor or modern day Turkey. They camped in there. They went around a geographical location about 200 miles around. And they preached to all these towns and all these cities. And everybody who would listen to them, they preached. And they preached and they were stoned. They preached. They were persecuted. They ran from one city to the other. They were fleeing all over the place. Then after they finished, they made their way back to everywhere they had preached. They raised up elders. They fasted. They prayed. They laid hands on them. They bring the foundation of the church down. Now they're making their way home. And back home is where they came. Antioch was ground central for their three missionary enterprises. This is the local church that supported them to go out and do what they were called to do. And to show the home church all that God had done. There's nothing like a good testimony. Amen. There's nothing. I love that. You know, I make that like a hobby. I want to know, how'd you come to Christ? I want to know how people came to Christ. I love that. I love hearing a good testimony, don't you? You can just sit back. Come on, let's get the coffee. Let's, tell me how you came to Christ. Tell me what's going on. <clears throat> Let me get into some application to explain these verses and what's going on. Excuse me. first missionary journey teaches us something that Christ already said. Don't be shocked that the world hates you. It hated me first. There will always be hostility towards Jesus. There will always be hostility towards believers. There will always be hostility towards young believers. Understand something. These young disciples that got saved under Paul and he was stoned to death... That was their baptism of fire. They really had to take the worst of what humanity can throw at them and still stand. I can tell you right now, when me and John see someone come to Christ, we wait. And we wait. Are they going to pass the persecution test? When everybody's saying, what are you, nuts? What are you doing? They're crazy. They're bad. They're this. They're that. Those Bible-believing Christians, you can't trust them, so on and so forth. Uh, all ignorance, of course, and satanic also. But a young Christian has to go through that for the first time, and how important that is! Look, this is how important this is. I'm going to put up Matthew thirteen twenty twenty one, and listen to how important this application is. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Ha ha, I love Jesus. Yet, as for what was sown on the rock, oh, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately every true and genuine believer has to go through this test. Simple as that. And it's a beautiful thing when you come out on the other side. You know why it's beautiful? Because Jesus pronounces a beatitude on everyone who's persecuted for his namesake and is reviled for his namesake, but stays faithful to him. Blessed are you when they persecute you, just like they did to the fathers. Great is your reward in heaven. There's a witness of the Holy Spirit that says, well done, faithful disciple." Second application. Many tribulations. It is one thing to hear about affliction. It's quite another to see it right in front of you. Think about seeing someone stoned to death. Anybody know who Bloody Mary is? Queen of Bloody Mary? She was a Catholic how can I say, queen of England at one time. And she hated the Protestant Reformation. So she made a decree, a very simple decree. Anyone caught speaking publicly the word of God will be burned alive. In 10 years, she burned 390 Protestant ministers alive in the public square in England. 390 in 10 years burning. do you know who came out when people were burned alive everybody guess what happened in those 10 years the Protestant church grew exponentially exponentially That's how faithful they were to God. You possibly think you are going to die for Christ and he's not going to reward your witness? Do you possibly think? I'll go as far as say that anyone who has ever given his life for the witness of Christ will see the disciples that that life created. Tribulations is part of the Christian life. And in America today, what we got going on, we don't got being burned alive yet. Yet, yet, yet. But I'll tell you what we do have. We have intellectual persecution. And it's going over to property rights now. And Now it's going over to Christian colleges and Christian schools. They're not getting the same game as all the other public administrations are getting. They're coming down hard on all Christian education. American Christianity has just entered into a new phase. And everybody here should be happy. I'm going to do my happy dance. I have dance. This is the preacher's happy dance. And do you know why? Because that's what the church needs. Judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And what the church needs is real, genuine persecution so that the true Christian can finally stand up and say, I am the Lord's. I'm the Lord's. Unto death, I am the Lord's. And all the other lukewarm ones can do what they do. They're married to Caesar. They're married to this world. And persecution will show the difference between the wheat and the tares. It's happening in America now. How many Christian ministers are affirming homosexuality? Because it's the new love language, I guess. I don't know. They're showing their true colors. And praise God for it. Because now we can get on to genuine work for God. Stop playing religion. Let's just get on to some real, genuine work of God. Because you'll see the Holy Spirit show up. He will show up. Jesus did not come to make life easy. Did you ever hear someone say that? Jesus didn't come here to make your little life a little easier. He brings a joy of a different kind, a joy the world can't give, nor the world can't take away. But he came here to make life awesome, to make life fulfilling, to make life so close to God that you have to say, I feel like I'm born again, and I'm willing to suffer to keep it. Hallelujah. I'm willing to be persecuted and suffer by friend, coworker, family, spouse. Makes no difference. Makes no difference. Life is awesome with God. And nothing's gonna take that away from me. Amen. Elders, third application. Do you know what the elders are the first line of defense for the church? It's the elders who protect the flock. Paul would have been remiss if he didn't backtrack and go back into the lion's den to make sure I can hear him talking to Barnabas. Barnabas, I don't know if we should go back. The young disciples don't go back, but Paul's saying they don't have a shepherd. They have no elders. I can't leave the flock to the angry mob. I have to raise up elders to protect the flock of God a team of pastors is essential for spiritual health too many Christians forfeit this they don't know how to sit under pastoral authority elder authority he raised up elders The last is the most important, and I'm going to take a drink of water. The last is the most important. Success. Godly success. Success God's way. Two verses of scripture I want to talk about here. 14.26 and 14.27, and I'll close it up. Can you put those up there, please? I'll just read them. Okay. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And they declared all that God had done with them. Listen. If you want to come to a position in your life where you can proclaim all that God has done through you, not in a sense of pride, not the of achievement, but for the glory of God. If you want to come to a place where you can say, this is what the Lord has done. You have to be commended first by the grace of God. You have to be sent out by the grace of God. They could not leave there dependent on their own abilities. They could not leave that home church until God said, now it's time to go. Read Acts 13, the first three verses. As they were praying and worshiping unto the Lord, the Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the task I had called them to. And then after they had prayed and fasted, they commended them to the grace of God. You don't take on this kind of work unless you are spiritually prepared you got to be strong in Christ before you take on an endeavor like this. They had to fight wicked sorcerers. They had to fight persecution, ambushes, angry mobs, false disciples, disciples, finicky praise of men being stoned and left for dead. This is no easy task. Whatever we do for God, you have to be commended by the grace of God. You have to know God is with us. Even to the point of raising children, to the point of doing anything for the Lord, we have to be commended by the grace of God. And then you have to have praying people behind you. They had a whole praying church waiting to hear about Paul and Barnabas. It's only when they crossed the end, at the finish line, they were able to tell all that God had done. I love this. Listen to this. They went back to where they had been commended to the grace of God. That's the beginning. You ready? For the work they had fulfilled. They went out one year earlier, beaten from town to town. Anybody watching would have said it was a failure. But they fulfilled the work of God. See, the world just thinks we're just getting by God recognizes everything we do for we are in a different enterprise the joy we have doesn't come with fame it doesn't come with fortune it comes with hardships and tribulations and afflictions many but we have the joy of making disciples don't miss that please don't miss that go home tonight let God speak to your heart let God speak to your heart. Say, God, I want to be that person. I want to be used. I want to be used. It can be said, look at the great work of God. I fulfilled the ministry. I put my hands to the, to the, to the plow and I never turned back. To know the great joy.